Welcome, everybody. So good to see you here at Summit and those of you that may be watching online. We're in a series called God's Seven Principles of Guidance, and we're going to conclude that series this weekend talking about provision. According to a survey, the favorite scripture of Christians is Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, God is a good God, and He's a God of provision. Hudson Taylor, back in 1850, founded the China Inland Missions. Hudson was a guy who never took an offering for his missions. He just prayed, believing God would provide, and God did. If God was guiding, he believed God would provide all that was necessary. So if God is guiding you, is he providing? The Bible is filled with examples that prove that's true. You know, when God commanded Noah to build an ark, he had to give him wisdom and knowledge to build it because there were no ships and no ocean in existence. God also had to provide the resources to get it done, lumber and workers, even 120 years to finish the job. So whatever God's called you to do, God will give you the amount of time in your life to do it. I love that. Paul said, I finished my course. Jesus said, it is finished. See, they each were given the time to accomplish their divine purpose. So in spite of those who constantly say the world is ending, God will give you the time to do what he has called you to do, no matter what he has to do. You know, it irks me to hear preachers always predicting the end of the world when Jesus said clearly, it's not for you to know. Don't focus your life on speculation. Focus on your purpose. And when Jesus does come back, you'll have no regret. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Our God is a builder. So focus your life on building a legacy, expanding the kingdom of God, and helping people. Don't focus on leaving. Stop worrying about the beast and the antichrist. Let them be worried about you. So God can lengthen your years if necessary to accomplish your destiny. God will extend your life if necessary. He will stop the sun. He'll back it up 10 degrees like Nehemiah. He, uh, he, he will open the womb of a 90-year-old woman. He will renew the youth of a 100-year-old Abraham to give him a promised child. Get you some of that, huh? A sense of destiny eliminates fear. When God led Israel in the wilderness, he sent manna from heaven. He made water to come from a rock. Even if God is taking you through a very difficult place, he will still provide enough for you. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. See, it's God's nature to provide when he's leading you. In Genesis 22, Abraham, at 100 years of age, has a miracle son, Isaac. And God tests this man, Abraham, by asking him to sacrifice that son. And as he lays Isaac on the altar, God stops him from driving the knife through his chest and provides a ram caught in a thicket. 
And it's here God is first called Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and provides. God uses provision as one of the ways of the seven that he guides his children. I like what Watchman Nee wrote. He said, provision is one of the first way God uses to restrain his overzealous servants who are getting beyond the will of God for their lives. He jerks the world of provision out from under them. Wow. See, if God hasn't assigned you, he is under no obligation to provide for you. I remember a guy from our church years ago who was successful in business but kept feeling he was called to be a pastor and to a ministry. Well, he started and failed three different times, always going back to business. Then, as he returned to business, he told somebody from church that uh, Rick made him mad because I did not recognize him as a prophet. Well, duh, I told him you are not called to be a minister. You are a successful businessman. You love the Lord. You're, you're a great asset to the church, and you are producing resources for the kingdom. You step down now to be a minister, and every time you did, you failed, and you didn't get paid. Keep yourself in business. Don't volunteer. Wait till God calls you, because somebody else can do something with a good result. Doesn't mean you can't. Not if you're not called. So, hey, if your well has dried up, either God is now moving you or you missed God and you're not where you're supposed to be. I remember coming to San Antonio, no church, no salary, no startup money. Cindy and I sold our home and we had enough money to live for six months. I knew if the money ran out, I had missed God. Well, after 35 years, we're still here. I remember getting a call, Judy and I, years ago that a family from Africa had arrived in San Antonio on a bus, and they said on the phone that God told them that I was to put them up in a hotel and to care for them. Well, I didn't know who they were. we never heard of them. I'd never been to their nation. I had not invited them. So as far as I know, they're still at the bus, Bob. I, I thought, People are crazy. Talk about manipulation and witchcraft. See, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, St. Paul says, if any man provide not for his own, especially those of his own family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, a non-believer. See, the first assignment of any husband is to provide for his own family. If you won't work at some job because you think you deserve better, hey, God says, then starve. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, says, if any man will not work, don't let him eat. See, God wants to get the lazy man's attention by lack of provision. So, if he won't work, no provision. See, if you don't have a job and your family has need, brother, you take any job. When you're unemployed, you go get provision. Don't, don't say, I don't want to work at that kind of a job. 
I'll take any job to take care of my family. I may want better. There may be a time I can get better. But in the meanwhile, I'll take whatever's offered. Why would you let your family suffer because you're too arrogant and proud to take a job that's available just because you don't like it? Well, you just violated Scripture, and God says you can starve. Even St. Paul made tents to supplement his ministry. The new churches he was starting had no money to support him. So he supported a whole team making tents. In 1 Kings chapter 17, the great prophet Elijah has just confronted Ahab and Jezebel. He's pronounced a three-year drought, no rain. And now God speaks to him. This is 1 Kings 17 verse 2. Then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan River. Now watch guidance. When you get there, this place of assignment, you'll know I sent you there because there will be water to drink and I will provide food. Verse 5, so he went and obeyed and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, and ravens brought him bread and food in the morning, and bread and food in the evening, and he drank from that brook Cherith. See, when God gives you direction, it might seem strange. It could be to an obscure place, but I guarantee you there will be supernatural provision. It might be barely enough, but it'll be enough. Now, notice how God provided. See, God is Lord over creation. He's Lord over clean birds and dirty birds. And a raven is an unclean bird, according to Mosaic law. Now listen, you can miss God's provision and blessing if you reject the container God sends it in. It might not even be a Christian. God can use some other person, somebody with a job, Somebody give you an important word. God can use anyone and anything to help you. An unsaved man or woman might have a word that could benefit your life. God will use them. God used Egypt to fund Israel's exodus. You see what I'm saying? They don't have to be a Christian. And it might come from a dirty bird. Verse 7, and the brook dried up. Many times when things start to dry up, God is getting your attention. Boy, does he, huh? Only in America does God have to touch money to get Americans' attention. Now, why would Elijah move from where life is good and where there is a famine up in Israel? See, he's not going anywhere, brother. So God dries up the brook. Now the prophet has to move or die. See, it's not always the devil. See, very little in your Christian life will be permanent. Be ready for change and transition. Very few youth pastors will always remain youth pastors. See, you can outgrow the place you were originally comfortable in. I remember outgrowing my old church. They led me to Jesus. They served me milk, and I needed meat. So God moved me. I'm appreciative of that, but it did not meet my need in the, in the now, today, so I had to move, or I'd just die of boredom. Verse 8 and verse 9 in chapter 17, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, now arise and go to Zarephath 
and dwell there. For I have commanded a widow woman to provide for you. I mean, you would think God would say a wealthy widow, uh, a high profile somebody in government. Uh, that's the way we think that's going to provide. He said, I'm going to use a poor, broken down widow woman to sustain you. See, even in advance of your coming somewhere, God has taken care of your need. Verse 10, so the prophet arose and went to Zarephath. I love this. Obedience, see? And when he came to the gate of the city, the widow was there. And I'm sure when he saw her, he thought, I'm in big trouble. The prophet Malachi in chapter 3, verse 6, I am the Lord, I change not. Hey, that's a good verse to get out of nursery duty. I change not. You know, Hebrews 13, verse 8, says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, when I grew up, I remember preachers saying, God doesn't do that anymore. But if God doesn't change, and He's the provider in the Old Testament, then He's the same provider today. In verse 7 of Malachi, chapter 3, God tells the people, They've gone away from him and have not kept his word. He says, return to me, and I will return to you. Then he goes into a talk about provision. Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God said, in tithes and offerings. Now, when we talk about the guidance principle, I'm speaking of an obedient Christian. God won't confirm disobedience. If I walk in known disobedience, God has no obligation to provide for me. And in this matter of provision, less than 3% of Americans even tithe. And God is arguing with this nation. How can you look for my provision when you won't put me first? And the principle of the tithe is that it comes first. It's also called first fruits. The first 10%, not Bank of America, not Visa, not GMAC, not CPS, not your mortgage company. God says, put me first. See, God wants to provide for you. And this issue with our money is a trust factor. God's saying, if you put me first, then you have to believe I'm going to make that 90% go farther than you keeping 100%. And when you keep it, God said, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. So God knows money is your life source. And he knows if you can't honor him with that, you'll have trouble honoring him in anything throughout your life. As long as money is your chief source of security, it will always be your chief source of anxiety. That's a fact. So here's God's prescription for provision. Verse 10, bring all the tithe into my storehouse so there is food in my house and test me in this if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing there won't be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So if I'm not obeying God, I have no legal authority to rebuke the devourer. Think about that. I don't have a legal basis, and God certainly won't do it either. See, when I obey God's Word, I have legal right, legal authority, and power of attorney to use Jesus' name to rebuke the enemy off my business, off my income, off my life. 
when I refuse to obey because I'm insecure and I don't believe God will take care of me, but I want somebody to pray for me because I'm in a financial bind, it won't do much good. See, many believers have financial trouble because they won't honor God with their money. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things shall be provided for you. See, if you simply obey God's Word, He will give you the provision you need. Could be a raise, could be a bonus, could be a transfer to another job, could be a person He brings into your life. If you'll obey God's Word, you'll always move from barely enough to just enough to more than enough. And that's where He wants you to live. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beg you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, this way of thinking in the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to the deal God makes you. He says, you give me your body, your mind, your resources, your time, your talent, and your treasure. You put me first in them, and you'll always be able to prove the will of God. That's a guidance system, see? The believer that puts God's first is not going to fall in the ditch, is not going to crash and burn. You'll be the head and not the tail. And see, the condition for guidance in all seven principles is simply to put him first. Or is he only first when you're in trouble? Or is he Lord of your life? You know, if you're sick, he's provided healing. If you're hopeless, he's provided hope. If you're troubled, he's the God of comfort. If you're sorrowful, he provides joy. If you're weak, he gives strength. If you're confused, he gives wisdom. Our God is a gracious, unlimited provider, and he will provide for you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.